Section 14 from Richard of Jamestown. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Richard of Jamestown, A Story of the Virginia Colony by James Otis. Section 14. Turpentine and Tar. To us in Jamestown the making of anything which we may send back to England for sale is of such great importance that we are more curious regarding the manner in which the work is done, than would be others who are less eager to see piled up that which will bring money to the people. Therefore it was that Nathaniel and I watched eagerly the making of turpentine, and found it not unlike the method by which the Indians gained sugar from maple trees. A strip of bark is taken from the pine perhaps eight or ten inches long, and at the lower end of the wound thus made, a deep notch is cut in the wood. Into this the sap flows, and is scraped out as fast as the cavity is filled. It is a labor in which all may join, and so plentiful are the pine trees that if our people in Jamestown set about making turpentine only, they might load four or five ships in a year. From the making of tar much money can be earned and it is a simple process such as I believe I myself might compass, were it not that I have sufficient of other work to occupy all my time. The pine tree is cut into short pieces, even the roots being used for. If I mistake not, more tar may be had from the roots than from the trunks of the trees. Our people here dig a hollow, much likened to the shape of a funnel on the other side of a hill, or bank, fill it in with the wood and the roots, and cover the hole closely with turf. An iron pot is placed at the bottom of this hollow in the earth, and a fire is built at the top of the pile, while the fuel smolders, the tar stews out of the wood, falling into the iron pot, and from there it is put into whatsoever vessels may be most convenient in which to carry it overseas. THE MAKING OF CLABBERDS There is far greater labor required in making of clabbards, and it is of a wearisome kind. But Captain Newport declares that clabbards made of our Virginia cedar are far better in quality than any to be found in England. Therefore it is Captain Smith keeps as many men as he may employed in this work, which is more tiring than difficult. The trunks of the trees are cut into lengths of four feet, and trimmed both as to branches and bark. An iron tool called a frow, which is not unlike a butcher's cleaver, is then used to split the log into thin strips, one edge of which is four or five times thicker than the other. You will understand better the method by picturing to yourself the end of a round log which has been stood upright for convenience of the workman. Now, if you will place a frow in such a position that it will split the thicknesses of an inch or less on the other side, you will find that the point of the instrument, which is at the heart of the tree, must come in such manner as to make the splint very thin on the inner edge. The frow is driven through the wood by a wooden mallet, to the end that the sides of the clabbard may be fairly smooth. Master Hunt has told me that if we were to put on board a ship the size of the John and Francis, as many clabbards as she could swim under, the value of the cargo would be no less than five hundred pounds, and they would have a ready sale in London, or in any other English port. PROVIDING FOR THE CHILDREN And now, before I am come to the most terrible time in the history of our town of James, let me set down that which the London Company has decreed, for it is of great importance to all those who, like Nathaniel and me, 
came over into this land of Virginia before they were men and women grown. Master Hunt has written the facts out fairly, to the end that I may understand them well. He, having had the information from Captain Newport, for it was the last decree made by the London Company before the John and Francis sailed. I must say, however, that the reason why this decree, or order, whichever it may be called, has been made, was to the end that men and women, who had large families of children, might be induced to join us here in Jamestown, as if we had not already mouths enough to feed. The council of the company has decided to allow the use of twenty-five acres of land for each and every child that comes into Virginia, and all who are now here, or may come to live at the expense of the company, are to be educated in some good trade or profession, in or order that they may be able to support themselves when they have come to the age of four-and-twenty years, or have served the time of their apprenticeship, which is to be no less than seven years. It is further decreed that all of those children, when they become of age or marry, whichever shall happen first, are to have freely given and made over to them fifty acres of land apiece, which same shall be in Virginia within the limits of the English plantation. But these children must be placed as apprentices under honest and good masters within the grant made to the London Company, and shall serve for seven years, or until they come to the age of twenty-four during which time their masters must bring them up in some trade or business. DREAMS OF THE FUTURE On hearing this, the question came into my mind as to whether Nathaniel and I could be called apprentices, inasmuch as we were only houseboys, according to the name Captain Smith gave us. Master Hunt declared that being apprentices to care for the family was of as much service as if we were learned in the trade of making tar, clapboards, or of building ships, and he assured me that if peradventure he was living when we had been in this island of Virginia seven years, it should be his duty to see to it that we were given our fifty acres of land apiece. Thus understanding that we might ourselves in turn one day become planters, Nathaniel and I had much to say, one with the other, concerning what should be done in the future. We decided that when the time came for us to have the land set off for our own use, we would strive that the two lots of fifty acres each be in one piece. Then would we set about raising tobacco, as the Indian girl Pocahontas taught us. And who can say that we might not come to be of some consequence, even as our Captain Smith and Master Hunt, in this new world? End of section 14